2: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing this Monday afternoon, early afternoon. Uh, Joining me from Naples, Florida is Bobby Marks, our front office insider. What's up, Bobby? What's going on, guys? How are you? Good. Also joining us from across South Florida in Miami after he just flew in from uh, covering the Philly uh, game four victory on Sunday night um, is Nick
1: Friedel. Still in Philly. Oh, You're still in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't gotten to Miami yet, but That's I'm right. going to make my way there somehow, some way. I don't know if Kyle Lowry will be out there in game five, but I will be.
2: I forgot you changed your plans for this podcast. Thank you for changing your plans. You're still in Philly.
1: (laughs) But hey, Nick, when you do get here, it is 85
0: and sunny. So that that is what's waiting for you.
1: Bobby, I've got a bag full of like blue and pink shorts (laughs) that I'm just ready to (laughs) throw out into the world. So I'm ready to roll.
2: Nick's on vacation. Didn't you hear, Bobby? Nick's on vacation.
1: (laughs) I'm only reminded Uh, every day from from Timmy B. (laughs)
2: Well, I am in Milwaukee, where it is currently 60 degrees, but people are wearing shorts because that passes for uh, spring and summer, actually, here in Milwaukee. Um, So the playoffs are going on. We won't know what happened in these games that happened tonight. You guys will as you're listening to this, but we're going to branch out a little bit beyond just the playoffs for this discussion and since we talk about the MVP all season long, I guess that it's now finalized. Uh, Wode reporting this morning that Nikola Jokic is going to be a back-to-back winner. If you listen to the Bontemps poll, which I think came out um, about the third week of March, give or take, maybe it was the first week of April. Um, no, I think it was in March. I should have looked that up. You knew that this was probably happening. Uh, I think in the Bontemps poll, Uh, Jokic got about two thirds of the first place votes. It might end up a little tighter than that. We'll learn the voting when everything becomes finalized later when it gets announced. But, um, Bobby, I voted for Embiid, um, but I'm not surprised at all at this result. Um, right now, what Jokic does is valued, uh, highly in the NBA and it's valued by a lot of the voters and he certainly had a great season. Um, it is unfortunate. This is maybe, you know, but the maybe the second or third time in my career that the MVP will be awarded while the guy is eliminated from the playoffs, um, which is what you can use against Jokic. But you know, that is what it is. Um, I, I I would assume that you're not surprised by this result.
0: No, I'm not surprised. I mean, uh, Tim's straw poll has been like, you know, like the Iowa caucus, as far as uh, <laughs> determining who yeah. the eventual uh, MVP is going to be. I did not have a vote. Uh, uh, in, you know, certainly in, in, um, MVP or, or any of these teams, but I mean, you could honestly have made a, you could have coin flipped it. I mean, three players, I think Giannis, you could add into the equation. I think where, where this, this is hard, as you said, Brian, is that the playoffs are going on and then we're going to awards it to a player who's not participating, not to his fault, of course. Um, certainly without uh, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter jr. It was an uphill battle all along, but I mean, you know, Milwaukee's still in play with Giannis and goes for forty plus over the weekend. Uh, we see Embiid back, and that series is live and kicking. Um, so both these players who will likely finish second and third could have extended postseasons here, and the back-to-back MVP will be will be sitting at home. But as I said, it's not to his fault. I mean, he has he had as as good of a season, um, you know, than any player out there, and I think it's just a matter of kind of you know, how you view things.
1: I go back to something that KD said, guys, a few weeks ago, because he was saying that Embiid should be the MVP. And he said, in his mind, if you go back to back, you have to be off the charts in that second year. You have to do something that, that we really haven't seen before. And when you look at Jokic's numbers this year, especially the analytics, he was unbelievable. And Bobby, to your point about missing Murray and missing Porter and not knowing who was going to be out there night tonight, Jokic was so unbelievably valuable and Embiid was awesome, too. And, and I'd still say that Giannis never is going to get the respect that he deserves because you could make that case very clearly that he should have won. But I'd bounce one question off you guys. If you had to have the MVP and then the best player in the league award right now for this year. In your mind, who is the very best player in the league?
2: I'm probably taking Giannis. Yeah,
0: I am too. Probably because of both ends, you know. You know, probably the the best two way player here. And I, you know, I think um, I wish Kevin Durant gave us the criteria. I wish he would be the criteria maker for MVP and all these different awards. Because what actually like what's what's the criteria for the coach of the year is it based on like are you projected to finish sixth and now you finish second and now we sh- you should be the coach of the year or mvp i mean i'm still scoring from 2002 when tim duncan won um, mvp over jason kidd i thought that was kind of what the mvp was taking a franchise that had we had never won 30 games to a um, you know to 52 games, and you know, kid's numbers weren't off the charts, but his impact on uh, on the game here. So I don't I don't know what the criteria is. Is it it's the best player? Is it most impactful? Is it based on circumstances around here? But um, to Nick's point, I think I w- you know I would certainly pick Giannis. I think Giannis is the best player overall overall um, compared to, to to the two of these guys.
1: I probably, before the season, I would have taken Kevin as the best player. And and Kevin, if he's healthy, is right on top of this MVP conversation as well in my mind. But if you're watching now, especially with recency bias, seeing the way the Celtics just really dominated Kevin, but really kept him in check in a way that we haven't seen in a long, long time in that series, I'd probably go with Giannis right now, too.
2: Yeah, well, um, the thing about it is, I mean, everybody says this, but it it's a regular season award. It is awarded either during the postseason or recently. Um, it, it was after the season, but they got rid of that award show this year. Um, but it it is, you know, as great as players are in the postseason, it is a regular season award, which is why most players, even if who have won that award, would rather have the bill russell trophy which is the trophy for getting winning the title you, you you win the mvp of the finals you've also won the title that most players would have it and i would i would argue that Giannis, who's got two um MV, regular season mvps probably values the bill russell trophy he got last year above all else and that's what they're playing for now um and yes it's mvp of the finals but it also kind of turns into mvp of the postseason you know for for example in this series i'm covering in Milwaukee I'm in Milwaukee. Now, I don't know what happened tonight. Maybe Jason Tatum will have a 33 point game and lead the Celtics to a win. But if Jason Tatum wants to win the finals MVP and lead the Celtics to a, to a win, he needs to play like an MVP immediately starting in this series. Giannis trying to get the bucks to a repeat, like the way he played in game three with 42 points. Technically he's not playing for an honor right now, but yet he is and so, you know, just as Jokic, as he was piling up all those incredible games in December and January, he was playing to the award that he won today. One thing I think is interesting, Bobby, would you tell me now, Giannis become, I'm sorry, um, Jokic becomes eligible for the Supermax extension. Will you go over the terms of that?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it looks like we're going to get a little bit of a higher cap. It's based off 2023, 24, because he'll be going into the last year of his contract. Um, I mean, that cap could be, Right around 128, um, which means that it's a five year 260. That's a monster. I think right. 15, 59 million in the last year. First player, first, second round pick ever to uh, earn Supermax uh, status. Um, it would start uh, 2023, go for five years. Usually, Supermaxes make me nervous because it's usually players who were like in their early thirties, late twenties. I think Jokic is only 27. Um, same with the honest as far as still in their really in their prime. I mean, like Westbrook, Russ, even Harden um, to an extent, those, you know, those are big numbers and we see what's, what's what happened with Westbrook and, and wall, but, um, it's going to get awfully expensive in Denver. Uh, you'll have, yeah. uh, between, uh, Murray Porter, Jokic, Aaron Gordon, ex- extension, um, there'll be uh there'll be an attacks for the foreseeable future here.
2: Well, I will say that Jokic said, and it was just sort of just nonchalantly at the end of his press conference uh, after Denver lost in the first round to, to golden state that, you know, he's like, yeah, I'll sign the, I'll sign the supermax. Remember how we hung on Giannis's decision for a year and wondered like, will he sign it or will he let it play out and become a free agent? You know, we'll, you know, we had many discussions on this podcast whether Giannis should wait, whether he should, you know, stay with the Bucks, and, and, you know, there were teams out there that were starting to stockpile cap space. No one has that I've ever heard has talked about trying to steal Jokic. And no one has talked about, can we get him out of Denver? And he just basically announces before it's even offered, like, he'll sign it, which, you know, there is things to negotiate, Bobby. There's opt outs and things like that. Maybe he shouldn't just announce it. I saw something hilarious. Um, uh, I believe a front office sports um uh tweeted it. They, they tweeted the moment when Jokic was actually drafted during the 2014 yeah, the draft. taco
0: commercial. It was during
2: he didn't, he didn't even, he didn't, we didn't even get to see Mark Tatum come out and give him, you know, call his name. All we saw was during a Taco Bell commercial at the bottom, current selection. Nikola Jokic, power forward, Serbia. Um, so that's pretty amazing. But I think it should be said, you know, when Giannis extended, it was a massive, massive story. And it's not as big of a story because nobody thought Jokic was going anywhere, but Jokic just, the two-time MVP, just casually saying, yeah, I'm going to sign the Supermax for a guy who I don't think, well, his game is going to age incredibly. Like, it's it's not a small thing, and uh, it's a big thing for Denver. And yeah, it's going to be expensive, but that's what you that's what you have a team for, right, Bobby? Is to is to pay a guy at the top of his game, and that's what he is. So, well, the crazy
0: too thing is that is that because they missed the playoffs this year, his contract for next season really isn't even a super max. I mean, a regular max contract. He had these bonuses in here when he originally uh, signed it for. 500,000 from reaching the first round and another 500,000 for, for the second round. They basically shorted him about a million dollars here. He earned half of that back, but, um, for them missing the playoffs, it technically is not a max contract here. So we shouldn't feel too bad for him. I think he'll make that back up on
2: that, uh, that big,
0: that big deal, uh, next year.
2: Yeah. Uh, I would, uh, I, my advice to him is, uh, no compromises, uh, <laughs> full upfront payments, no opt-out, my opt-out, uh, you know, no bonuses, get it all, uh, Nicola. get it all. Um, all right, well, congratulations to him. You guys know how everybody feels. I, I believed in Embiid. I don't take my vote back. I was happy to vote for Embiid one. I voted Embiid one and Jokic two and Giannis three. And um, you know, Bon I think has said that he voted for, uh, Giannis one, and I doubt he probably wants to take his vote back at this point either. Um, so we've been talking, you know, just looking a little bit forward to this summer. Um, James Harden just had his best game, arguably as a sixer. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the other guys who are in contract stuff. I know we're in the middle of the playoffs, but I kind of like to vary this up a little bit. And since we have Bobby, I want to do that. Um, first off, Nick, you're obviously headed down to Miami soon. Do you think that Harden's performance in game four, where he had 31 and hit his threes? Do you think that's a pivotal, pivotal performance? Like this will change the way he's going to play? Or was this just a night where he made his outside shot?
1: This was always within him, but I, I don't think he can maintain the consistency. There's nothing we've seen over the last few months that would lead anyone to believe that that performance is able to be replicated night after night after night. And what was interesting being in there on Sunday night was every time Harden hit one of those big shots at the end, he would come back down the other end of the floor just screaming. And and you could easily read between the lines like, I'm still here. (laughs) I can still do this. And having Watts James in Brooklyn... Absolutely. That performance is still within him. The problem was and is that you just didn't see it game after game after game. So I don't think this is a turning point as much as much as it's just a reminder of he still has that talent. But this doesn't change the fact that it's not there the same way that we all used to see it in Houston for so long.
2: Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I mean, let me take a look here. He averaged, you know, he averaged 30 points in between 2017 and 2020. He averaged 30.4, 36.1, 34.3. So on one hand, this used to be just be an average game, frankly. On the other hand, Bobby, it's not like Harden has a long list of great playoff performances. And this was a must win game because they go they're three, one going back to Miami. They're not winning that series, but now it's two, two. So, and, and, you know, they, they, Embiid, they won the game without Embiid needing to score a basket in the fourth quarter. So it's a great performance for Harden, but I don't know if it changes his outlook. I guess he can prove us wrong. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, I think he still has problems and you saw it in game four, um, getting to the rim. I mean, he had a shot blocked multiple times, um, you know, the the lift on his, the two threes, he hit the top of the key threes. That's the best lift I've seen him. I like, agree. it wasn't kind of like, like a standstill flat footed. Um, he had some, he had a little pop to that, but um, Hey, he's an elite playmaker. I mean, I think that's where he is at this stage. And I think he'll give you occasion that occasional 30 aim. I don't, I don't see it as a um, as a consistent, the the consistency there, maybe he'll prove us wrong. And, um, you know, for the rest of the series, it's, it's funny. Like, I feel like I'm always the kiss of death because, you know, when I write these off season articles, I usually do it when a team's down 2-0, right. Just to get the ball. So I spent all day Friday writing basically 1500 words on James, what the next James Harden contract is, was going to be. And I'm not going to really differ off that even, even if he continues to play like he did in game four, but like eventually here, like he's not a $223 million extension guy. He's not a two hundred million five-year guy. Like he, for both sides, it's, it's going to be a major, I think there's going to have to be oh. a compromise, right? Okay. Like, and that's
2: what I want to talk about. Yeah. So we have talked on this pod about James's decision not to pick up his player option, even though it seemed that he had indicated he would he has a 47 million dollar player option which is which is unpicked up. Now on one hand you could argue that if the Sixers want to get him for less than the max, it's good that he didn't pick that option up. Because they now can negotiate a contract with him that starts less than the 47 million that is on that option. By comparison Bobby, that is what Chris Paul did last year. Chris yep. Paul had an option was it around 44 million? 44, so? yeah, right on the nose. And so he Ended up negotiating a new deal with the Suns, We re- passed on that option, and then what did he sign for this year? 37?
0: It was like four. No, it's like 20, like 29, 30. It was like four years, 120, and only um not I think first two years are guaranteed, third years a partial, and the fourth year is not even guaranteed. He basically got um know, he really only got like 33 million in new money out of it all. Um it's a okay. it's a great team friendly deal.
2: Okay, so he, so I'm sure that the you know, but Chris Paul is three and a half years older than James Harden. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Sixers sort of use that as a template, but Harden can still up to June 30th, pick up that option and say, well, no matter what happens, you're I'm paying, I'm making 47 million next year. So Bobby, if you, I'm going to, I'm going to have you give free advice here because normally you'd have to pay for this and I don't want you to take away from your story, but (laughs) If you were consulted, what would you what would you advise on how to handle this?
0: If I was consulting, I would say it would be a lose lose for Philadelphia and for Harden to opt into his contract. Why? Although he would make that forty seven million dollars, who knows what the future holds with this player here? As far as from a, I mean, if Philadelphia could just say, you know what, we're going to play out the the, um, the right. year. If you're going, if you're adamant on this big number you know, 223. I mean, I'm not paying $61 million in the last year of the contract. So I think that's it's a, I think it's a lose for Harden. I think it's a lose for Philadelphia because if you're the Sixers, if you have any envisions of maybe the goal of maybe getting a third guy, right? Like another max player here, what you want to do is you want to lower the Harden number to around 30 and that potentially can give you a a, a max slot if you move a player like Tobias Harris, who's played pretty well in this series here. So I think for, and it gets a
2: a max slot when this year, this year. Yeah. Yes. If you, if you want another, let's let's just pause and roll that back a second. If they were able, because the window would be this year because they would potentially have to pay Tyrese Maxey after next season. Right. I mean, they,
0: the maxi extension would kick in in 2024. Tybel's up this offseason. So his so you still have a little bit of a you still have a little bit of a window there. Yeah. Okay. So do you think they could
2: they could trade Tobias Harris if they had to?
0: I you know, the hard thing is going to be and you talk to teams about it is that With the CBA likely, um, you know, both sides, you know, probably, you know, amending it with the opt-out date in December and a new CBA starting in 2023 teams are not really gung ho on taking back long-term money. Um, Harris will have two years left on his contract worth about $74 million. Like that's, if he was on an expiring, probably, um, But that second year is not quite appealing to teams here. And there's not, you know, we'll talk about it more. There's not really that many with cap space outside of the Thunder who have it until uh, until June 30th. So that's, you know, logistically, it, it is, you know, somewhat of a problem.
2: Starting your own small business can be a total roller coaster. Between all the ups and downs, twists and turns, highs and lows, comes the actual business side of your business, which can really throw you for a loop. Luckily, with QuickBooks, you can get paid, run payroll, and know where your business stands from the start. So no matter how bumpy the ride gets, you can always stay on track. New business? No problem. Success starts with Intuit QuickBooks. Learn more at QuickBooks.com. QuickBooks payroll, QuickBooks payments, and QuickBooks online account required. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Supercuts. Let's face it, life is busy. Between work and family and more work, our to-do lists have a way of getting longer instead of shorter. Luckily, Supercuts is here to make at least the haircut part of your life easy. Supercuts is perfect for people who need a haircut, but don't have a ton of time for a haircut. No more scouring the web for salons with availability. You can use the Supercuts app to find the location nearest to you and check in, or just walk in. Another bonus, the salon shows estimated wait times so you know exactly what you're in for. That way, you're only in salon when you need to be and don't expect to stay a while. As for the cut itself, it's always super solid thanks to Supercuts highly trained stylists. Get in, get out and get to that thing that you needed a haircut for. Whether you've got a big presentation coming up or a wedding or you just need some upkeep, Supercuts makes getting a haircut effortless. It's not just any haircut, it's Supercuts. Check in now on the SuperCuts app or on supercuts.com. All right. So that's interesting, but like there, you know, there's potentially some free agents, you know, you know, like, let me, this sort of dovetails into something else I want to talk about, which is Zach Levine gave an interesting interview. uh, Friedel you're still uh, very well acquainted with the Bulls. I know you keep an eye on them. The folks in the league, you know, executives in the league kind of thought that Zach Levine was kind of like off the market, uh, was gonna stay in Chicago. And they really thought that after Zach at midseason went and got checked out for three or four days um in Southern California. I don't remember which doctor he went to see, but remember he left the team right before the all-star break. And he had this cocktail of stuff done. He had um, he had uh, PRP. He had um, uh, he had he got the knee drained. He, get, he got a couple of things done, and he pretty much admitted he probably needed uh, knee surgery. But he was going to hopefully th- that midseason you know refresh was going to help him get through the season. And you know executives in the league thought, well, if the Bulls are in the, and, and Zach are on the same page about him playing on a hurt knee they must have a understanding that he's going to get a contract, particularly Bobby. I would assume that the the key on a Zach Levine contract would be the fifth year. The idea, if Zach was going to stay in Chicago would be, I would like the fifth year. Um, we can debate whether or not that would be at the max or near max or something like that. What would, what would Zach Levine's five-year max be, Bobby?
0: 213.
2: It's a big number, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big oh. number for a guy who's probably going to have his second knee surgery. Um, but so anyway, but that was kind sort of the operating theory at least about some agents and executives that I talked to, but then Zach came out at the end of the season and he said, I'll just use this quote. I plan to enjoy free agency. We're going to have to experience a through Z without making any fast decisions. I think that's something me and agent rich Paul are going to go through an experience. Um, and subsequently, as I've talked to Lee executives, there's now some belief, and maybe only Zach knows, but there's now some belief that, that that Zach could be in play. That, you know, that what a lot of people thought was a foregone conclusion of Zach staying in Chicago on whatever deal it was going to be may not be the case. So as you look at options for this summer,, um, maybe Zach Levine is in play. If you're willing to give a max, I'm sure he would, he would take a four year max to get him out of there. And he's unrestricted. Um, what's your feel for that situation, Nick?
1: If I'm the bulls, I say, cool, Zach, let's work out a sign and trade. See ya. Really? 213 million for Zach Levine. I, all the people who <laughs> are clinging to this argument that Zach Levine is this unbelievably transcendent player. They say, Oh, two time all-star. He made the Olympic team. He want to go medal." What? has Zach Levine ever done on a winning team that leads you to believe that this is a foundational piece that you need to give max money to, and that you're going to be closer to a title. That's what I would say. And I am the first to admit, he proved me wrong four years ago. I didn't think he was worth $80 it was million. On, it was
2: on this podcast when you were like, the bulls could not match that contract.
1: And, and, and I still sat there and was like, okay, two years in so two years ago I'm sitting there I'm telling all my friends in Chicago you better deal him now because that is what they should have done in my mind he played really well he was on a team-friendly deal that turned into just that you move him a year and a half ago and you say all right let's see what we got but no now they're married potentially to Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan where's that team going where are they going, guys? You give Zach Levine $213 million in the, the fifth year. We saw the ceiling. This is the ceiling for the Bulls. We just watched it. Like, DeGuarda the, the Rosen would have to have an unbelievable year again next year to be close to where he's at. And I t- I'd say this to all the people that are saying, you got a Max Levine, you got a Max Levine. How much better is he going to get? How much better after knee issues, going to ha- probably have a knee scope uh, – at some point in the next few days here, and he's going to come back and he's going to be on a max deal somewhere. How much better is he getting? He's still a one-way player. He's a so, one-way player. So,
2: so what you're saying is, you, you know, don't let him walk for nothing, but like, say, hey, Zach, this is what we're willing to do. And if you're not here, but he's unrestricted. He doesn't have to give him anything. Can the Bulls afford this? I mean, they just had this turnaround season. Can they afford to let an all-star walk out the door for nothing? I mean, uh, it, 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 this, is a, this is a tough one.
1: But where are you going? B, where, you, sign, you give Zach Levine a max, $213 million. Zach, you're our guy. You and DeRozan, you're, you're the team that's going to do it. For what, the sixth seed in the East? I mean, this is what I don't understand. Bobby, help me here. Because when you're watching a team get built and, and you say, okay, well, again, two-time All-Star, we're, we're already going through it, two-time All-Star Olympian, how do you balance what he's done Compared to what they may be able to do in the future, as somebody who's been in a front office.
0: Well, and the hard part is that you know certainly a lot of it con- is contingent on what happens with Lonzo Ball. I mean, his health dictates a lot of things. What front offices f- fall into that trap where you've given up multiple picks, right, in the uh, Vucevic deal and the Mar De Rosen, um, what three first, right, in total. Now you're forced to like, well, I can't just let him go. Like, what's our roster going to look like? Um, Basically with the Rosen on an Island by himself here. See the bulls have been protected on the the Levine current contract because he had a prior injury exclusion in there, which basically if he hurt his knee again, like they could have wiped clean the contract. You think that's going to happen with negotiating with rich Paul on his next
2: that was one of the reasons why the bulls matched the Sacramento offer because Sacramento mm-hmm. put that in the offer sheet. Isn't that right, Bobby?
0: Yes, that is, that is the reason why. And I don't, I mean, for, I don't see them negotiating or from his agents, Rich Paul side wanting to put that in here. I mean, the only thing no is, is that, you know, there's a significant, there's a $56 million difference between what Chicago can offer and what, another team can offer as far as a team that has cap spaces numbers, right around $36 million. So when you look at the landscape of it, do you, do you simply just say, you know what, we'll treat you like a restricted free agent, go out and get an offer, you know, go out and get an offer. It's we a dangerous know, game, especially for unrestricted free agency. Because what happens is it's like, <laughs> unlike the ability to match, he doesn't have the, he doesn't have to, you know, there's no, you know, there's, he doesn't have to go back to Chicago with the offer here. So, right.
2: and, and I understand that it's a completely different front office than the last time he was a free agent, but it's the same ownership. And so like, you know, if you're Zach, you're like, well, listen, you guys didn't, you guys didn't sign me before I had to leave and you had to retain me. I'm, you know, fool me once shame on you, you know, even though I got the impression he was really happy there, Nick. Cause you I mean, um in talk i've talked to zach a few times this season i I feel like he was very happy to be on a team that was competitive he got to play in his first playoffs i think he really liked that um but you know as we as you look at teams that are you know maybe their ears are perking up i'd like to bring one up bobby pull out your data on the portland trailblazers
0: well if if Josh Hart is waived by, by June 25th, I think the tampering police will be knocking on the door.
2: Okay, well hold hold on. Well, let's let's go over that. Let's go over this So so first off, Zach Zach is from Seattle. Okay, so that's just one thing to point out. The Blazers, they they got dealt a setback when the when the Pelicans made the playoffs because. Um, they lost the lottery pick that they thought they were going to get as a product of the CJ McCollum deal. And instead of getting a lottery pick this year from the Pelicans, they get Milwaukee's 2025 first round pick, which if Giannis is still there, doesn't have that much value in trade. And so the Blazers intent, I believe in talking to folks around the league is that they wanted to make this sort of a one year down cycle. Lillard gets surgery they Have their lottery pick, they hopefully would have gotten another lottery pick, and they could have either drafted an impact player, uh, if they get lucky in the lottery, or flop those lottery picks. Uh, you know, they've been attached to Jeremy Grant for months, but if Ava wasn't Jeremy Grant, another player. And they have Eric Bledsoe now, Bledsoe's contract is, is on the books for uh 19 million, um, Bobby. But what is the actual guarantee? 375. Um... Okay, so they. So they can clear off if they waive him, they can clear off 16 extra million there. Yep. And Josh Hart has a contract that I'm not sure I've ever seen before. Maybe you've seen it before. Um, Josh's contract for next season is not guaranteed for 12.9. Um, and the but the option, the pickup date is the day before the draft. Am I right in saying that? I think it's right after June 25th. Okay, June yeah. 25th. Yep. So if they Pick up if they waive Josh Hart, and then and by the way, if they pick up his contract, then he has a player option for the following season. So it's almost like a two year pickup. Um, now, Josh Hart was the premium, well, I shouldn't say premium, the draft pick is, but Josh Hart is now the centerpiece of what they got for CJ McCollum. Uh oh. Um, but you're talking about tampering, but <clears throat> if the Blazers waive Josh Hart, to clear off that $13 million, a player who's a useful player, a quality guard, that is telegraphing that they think they're going to be able to spend their free agent money. Is that right? Don't you think, Bobby?
0: Yeah, that's 100% because if you waive Bledsoe and um, and Hart, you can get to around $36 million, but you'd also have to renounce Yusuf Nurkic free agent right. hold. So you basically you're left with Lillard... Um, Anthony Simons, who's a restricted free agent, his hold, and then just kind of like you know some spare parts there, and thirty-six million dollars in cap space, which is the, the the amount that you can sign Zach Levine for.
1: Okay, so Lillard already, and Levine, if you're the Blazers, where are you going? Where are you going with? Well, that
2: I'm not saying that's a done deal. I'm just saying that. Let me just say that as I've talked to the executives when they saw what Levine said and what they. They see the Blazers can do that scenario has popped up.
1: But if you're um, Portland, my point is if you're Portland, you're like, oh man, Zach Levine's available potentially. Let me give him a whole bunch of money. What, what is the ceiling for that team? With Lillard and Levine? We just saw Lillard and McCollum. I mean, like, they're not yeah. going anywhere. It's, it's a fair point,
2: and which is why they could very well just keep Josh Hart and leave their options open with Bledsoe. Once Bledsoe's a pickup date july 4th okay so they can wait for free agency to play out a little bit the
0: accelerated the accelerated rebuild that is going to try to occur that which they're trying they're going to try to do in portland is is probably one of the most it's probably the toughest thing to do right like when you have a lillard you're trying to build around lillard's timeline and that is not easy to do here as far as go out and try to acquire a player um, you know you maybe use the lottery pick your trade exception, potential cap space to go out and get like a another marquee guy out there is um, extremely, extremely challenging.
2: Well, it would help. I mean, the easiest way to um, <laughs> the easiest way to I- I- advance a rebuild is to get lucky in the lottery, and you know maybe that will play into it. I mean. Let me see what their odds are here. Um, I mean, they were in absolute total tank mode um, at the end of this season. Uh, let's see. They ended up, so they have a 37% chance at the top four. They have the sixth pick right now of everything held chalk. They have a 37% chance of getting into the top four. So, you know. And, you know, a lot of draft folks that I talk to, I haven't gotten into it, but they say that the top four is maybe the cutoff for impact players. I don't know who knows, but, you know, they're looking at, you know, if they get, if they hit that one out of three chance and they're in the top four, maybe they, maybe that's changes their viewpoint. But if, you know, I mean, that's, you know, they don't have to make this, it's it's strange that. You know, if Portland knew what they know now, they would not have signed Josh Hart to that type of contract. The the, the Pelicans, which did the deal, um, you know, framed it a little bit differently. I don't remember seeing a contract like that, but it, but because of the of their cap position, Bobby, and because of um, you know the, the, just the timing, it does requ- it does require them to show their cards a little bit, um, which you know teams out there who have free agents. Um, who Portland could potentially go after, that is a one. And, and Zach Levine's at the top of the list. I don't know what other teams would be interested. I mean, I'm sure Orlando, who has cap space, would be interested in a guy like Zach Levine, but I'm not sure Zach's ready to go there. Um, Zach would not really match Oklahoma City's timeline. Um, I, the Knicks wouldn't have the space. Is there another spot that you can think of, Bobby, where it would make sense? Well, I mean, in a sign-and-trade, it would change the game, but in straight free agency?
0: I mean, the only other one would probably be Detroit. Put him alongside Cade. You know, that's a big number though, as far as that rebuild and in, in Detroit. And he had another top three pick. And then but it, it all comes down to I remember Brian when you um you interviewed him in uh, in the Olympics last year and it was right around after um, you know, cause he would he had that, you know, he was extension eligible, but basically it would, he would have to take like a hundred million less, and then renegotiation eligible also. Right. And I remember him saying like, you know, hey, like I I know what my worth is. Like I deserve, you know, it's either going to be, you know, eventually I'm going to be taken care of here. And um, it would be fascinating if he took fifty six million dollars less to go somewhere else. Um, coming off this contract.
2: Well, look, maybe this is all just interesting discussion for the first week of May. Maybe he re-signs in Chicago, although, you know, Nick Nick almost passed out when he heard $213 million.
1: Where um, is that team going? Just because you have a player <laughs> that you feel like has crossed some magical threshold because he's been on two all-star teams. Where and- he's
2: going is out of town.
1: I, exa- no, I mean, like, where are the Bulls going if they sign him? <laughs>
0: right well, Nick, you, in you roster start. building is hard, Nick. I mean, it, it it's so hard because what's happening – too is that like you're so laser focused on like next year and then like all of a sudden you get to year four and you're like oh my god we're stuck with 55 million dollars of this player um it's it's because what's the alternative that's the other side like what is the alt you let them go and you've got you know 20 million in cap space you got the rose in um You got Blonzo on a one leg. Um, Like your goal is to just try to, you know, kind of stay there and catch a couple breaks and just keep your fingers crossed that he, I mean, body holds
2: up. The bulls timeline is DeRozan's timeline. Yeah. Swagoo and Perk, an ESPN podcast led by its namesake host, Marcus Spears, that's Swagoo, and Kendrick Perkins, with new episodes every Tuesday morning. Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as an inside look at their lives, career journey, and their can't-miss conversations. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, and also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. CSX Transportation is an industry leader on the move. The railroad company has immediate openings for freight train conductors. Join the CSX team and start your paid-on-the-job training today, earning nearly $25 per hour with no degree required. If you're safety-focused with a passion for great service, you've got what it takes to move your career forward at CSX. Apply at csx.com slash careers. That's csx.com slash careers. CSX is an equal opportunity employer. Keeps offers a simple, affordable, and stress-free way to keep your hair via convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months. You don't even have to leave your home 24-7 care and support. Keeps has a network of expert medical advisors, prescribers, and care specialists to support you in making your hair goals a reality and low cost. Treatments start at just $10 per month, and Keeps offers generic versions of two FDA-approved medications to prevent hair loss. Treatment plans are affordable, typically half the cost of pharmacy prices. Keeps has everything your hair needs, delivers straight to your door with discreet packaging and proven results. Remember, prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results. So act fast. When it comes to your hair, save more, spend less. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash hoop to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash hoop to get your first month for free. Keeps.com slash hoop. So... How do you think DeRozan feels if you let Levine walk or you downgrade at that spot? And I think that's probably why Zach is taking the posture that he's taking, which is that he's not locked down there because the Bulls probably would want to sign him to a contract that if they do want to change course in two years, that they can trade him. So not a max. And Zach's like, yeah, but you can't afford to let me walk. So I'm going to posture that I'm going to walk. So um, that could be very interesting. I also, Um,
0: I also think Brian is that, I think we might see this more of um, maybe we might see it with Kyrie. I think teams are going to start to get a little bit creative on the back end of these contracts here. We're like, you know, maybe Levine gets the full five years, but the fifth year is not guaranteed. And then, you know, I've, I've written it before that's, Three out of the first four years, he's got to play 65 games, let's say, where there's a little bit. um, We saw it in Porter, Michael Porter Jr.'s, but his is really incentive laden um, to protect that full 50 year. But maybe that's a way for teams to give that player that money and then, you know, at least they have to kind of earn, you know, that 50 year.
2: Well, I was talking to a a high ranking league executive within the last week and they'd start, you know, there's already starting to be some discussion about, well, in the CBA, this is going to happen or that's going to happen. They haven't started talks yet, but you can see there's some some early discussions about positions. One of the things that's developed, you know, in recent years is teams that have rights on players. um, They've been put kind of to the test a little bit because maybe they don't want to give a player the fifth year. You know, so let's say, you know, you're eligible to to sign a guy to a five-year contract. That's supposed to be an advantage, but maybe, you know, the guy's 31 and you don't want to give him the full five years. And so... There have been cases where players have left teams. Right off the top of my head is Al Horford leaving Atlanta, but there could be others where they actually get offered more money in total dollars by their team. But they use the, you know, well, you can give me a fifth year and you're not. And they go someplace else for four. And this is another situation like that. Like the expectation from Zach Levine is that I get five years from the Bulls even if it's not the full max, even if it's slightly less than that. And so let's say you're another team and you say, well, Zach, we are happy to offer you a four-year contract. That's the most we can offer. And it's almost like the bulls get into a disadvantage because um, they're expected to give the five. And I don't know how you legislate that unless you have like certain, uh, you only have a a certain number of slots that you can give five-year contracts to, which is the case with um, rookie level players now, rookie contract players, but it has been discussed, although we're getting into a little into the weeds.
1: I, I um, just want to throw this last one out there but I, to wrap this part of the conversation <laughs> up. If you have a max player on your roster, when it is time for that max extension, everybody in that city, everybody in the organization be like, yes, done. Let's go. Let's go win a title. <laughs> when there's this much question on uh, 213 million Oh, guarantee that fifth year, do we we really want this? And Bobby, I understand the point about roster building and and this is tough, but I'd say take your 20 million, get somebody that plays defense and get somebody that scores 15 or 16 and not 25. And and you're probably going to be right around that same six or seven spot. Well, but yeah, I mean,
0: I think and that's why I think you see some teams rooting for Dallas here because Dallas, how they've built their roster is is unique because of, you know, you have your franchise player in Luka and then you have a lot of basically role players making between 10 and 20 million dollars. I mean, Jalen Brunson will join that fray if they sign him next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this offseason as an extension, there's not another mark. There's not another max guy there, but still it adds up. I mean, they're still going to pay. million in payroll next year. And it's going to still be expensive here, but that's another way of looking at it. Instead of having another, a second max guy or a third max guy, you're basically taking those two players and you're breaking it up into eight or nine other players where it just balances your roster out.
2: Yeah. um, But I will say that it's simple to say that, but to actually get the replacement players, Nick you know, they're not going to have like, if he walks, they're not going to have a whole bunch of cap space to, yeah. and then a whole bunch of players to choose from. It's uh, you know, there's a, there's a real thing coming there. Also, if you're Zach, you probably think you've been underpaid for the last few years. You probably think, well, you know, but that's why I say, I call it the fun max, the first max, when you're in your early twenties and you're healthy and you're still happy and it's 25% of the cap, that's the fun max. That's not what Zach got. He got less than that, but you know, it's that, it's that it's always that second contract, or I guess the third, the third contract um, players are disgruntled. They're a little bit more injured. They, they cost more. There's a, you know, you've seen the, the the flaws in a player. That's when the players, that's when you really have to roll up your sleeves. And that is the situation that we're in with, with, um, with Levine. So what, well, before we go, I wanted to discuss a little trend that popped up in the NBA over the last week that I think is interesting. You have heard me, if you listen to this pod, maybe you've, maybe you've zoned out when I've talked about it, but I think that the league has been in a disingenuous position as they've handled injury reporting um, as they're in bed with gambling companies and things like this, but not being truthful uh, or being more forthright in, as they report you know, the injury report. And the reason it's it's relevant is because when a player is declared out or doubtful on an injury report, but everybody on the team knows he's playing, it opens up the possibility of inside information, which opens up the possibility of mischief, which is why the NFL years ago demanded and began finding teams and, and demanded to know, How much did the player do at practice on Wednesday? Uh, What was his availability and have routine updates for the game? And the NBA just has just like they've done with most things under Adam Silver, just sort of shrugged their shoulders and said, eh, do whatever you want. We don't care what you do. And that has stopped Um, in this last week, both or last 10 days, the Phoenix Suns and the 76ers have been fined. The 76ers were fined double uh, 50,000. The Suns fine 25,000 for Injury reports, shenanigans, Um, Devin Booker being ruled out. And then all of a sudden being upgraded to play. Um, He was actually upgraded to questionable like an hour before the game. And then he played Joel Embiid being ruled out in the morning and then doubtful in the afternoon and then played when it was, you know, pretty widely reported he was going to play. So Bobby, let me ask you this as someone who's operated a team and, you know, wanted to guard information. Um, How do you see this trend and how do you see teams handling this?
0: 25,000, 50,000. It's a drop in the bucket. It's like the toll money going through exit 16W on a New Jersey turnpike. Right. (laughs) Like it's, it's nothing. It really is. It's, you know, like Philly, Philly knew they were going to get fined. (laughs) I mean, they knew like it was coming, you know, like it, it, so like, so you can either do it one or two ways. You can just list guys as questionable. Right. And just kind of go from there or you can go down this this path and let your owner know that when we get to the playoffs, put a put a couple hundred thousand on the side because we're going to, you know, manipulate the injury report
1: here.
2: Right. Um, That's why, like, hasn't Tom Brady been listed as questionable every week for like the last 10 years (laughs) With a See, the,
1: the Heat do exactly what Bobby's talking about. Every game, they got six guys that are questionable, and then Spolster comes in and says, hey, they're all warming up with the intention of playing. <laughs> well, that's at least a little bit
2: more – at least you're acknowledging the possibility that they could play or not play as opposed to declaring a guy out. I mean, again, like I don't gamble, so I don't care, but um, like I would be angry if certain people had inside information about a guy playing um, – you know, look, if they don't, as far as I care, they can say whatever they want in the injury report and, um, you know, whatever. But if they want people to actually trust in them and think that it's all in the up and up, you know, they're going to have to, you know, change their behavior. And this is the beginning stages of, a, of an attempt at a behavior change. But, you know, I think the NBA should have, you know, done something about flopping. And I don't think it's ever been worse than it is right now. And not only that, but the flopping is so bad and these series are so close that now um, the the coaches and these executives and everything have to do interviews to try to, you know, politic about the flopping before it even happens, which drives me absolutely crazy. Um, And, you know, nobody seems to care. So I'll just continue to yell into the wind, but um, you know, Joel Embiid knew he was going to try to play. I mean, you know, you can't know for sure that you can play. I mean, of course you could warm up and, you could have double vision. You know, your concussion symptoms could come back. But, I mean, he was questionable two or three days out, Nick. To, he, 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 the, when was the game? Um, was it
1: Friday. Uh, Friday? Friday.
2: He was questionable on Tuesday for Friday.
1: Yeah, to all of us. But to him, it, it felt like Joel just wanted to kind of be the guy who rode it on his horse and felt like he was going to save the day. And that's why he went from out to doubtful. And anybody covering the series, like doubtful? Are you kidding me? He's going to be out there. So it's all in the packaging. But you know. I, I
2: guess I mean you know I'm just a fool that wants transparency. Ha! <laughs> what an idiot! I'm <laughs> I'm just a, I'm just a
0: fool. Well, yeah. and going back to your flopping thing too, I think Lucas said it yesterday during the the, um, the Phoenix game where Chris Paul came up to him and said did I really hit you that. Did I really run into you that hard? And he was like, No. <laughs>
1: you know? Yeah, but Chris Paul got what's coming for him, Bobby. Well, Chris and Kyle Paul.
0: and Kyle Lowry got it back last night. Basically, oh, yeah. aggravated his hamstring on a flop. Right? He he got basically he got sniped from the top. There was a sniper up top and took him down. And I think that's what aggravated the hamstring there.
2: And- well, Kyle's been flopping for a decade. I, I mean, he, it's hard to ask him to change his game. <laughs> but um, I mean, like this series I'm covering, this Milwaukee series. It was hilarious. Um, uh, The end of game three is a controversial call with Marcus Smart. He doesn't get the the three free throws. I walk past some Boston Celtics officials 15 seconds after the game is... Ending and they are there is steam coming out of their ears. I will not say what was being said and whatever. And I walk down the hall and I run into. I literally within three minutes I walk down the hall and I run into some Bucks officials and I go, boy, are the Celtics steaming about that call? And they're like, what are they talking about? They got every call for the last three minutes of the game. They had fifteen free throws to RZ, like both sides convinced that they were wronged by the officials. And so the Celtics complain about it. And then the Bucks, John Horst, their general manager, who I immensely respect. I think he's done a wonderful job. Um, recently got a contract extension. I was so happy for him. He gives an interview to the athletic where he like brings all this data about how his team is getting wrong. <laughs> and I'm just like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Stop falling down on every play and stop using the two days between games to politic with the officials. I'm sick of it. I hate it. And not only that, but we now have a situation where we've got these guys who get anybody who gets even close to elbowed or whatever lays on the ground, like a European soccer player waiting for a red card so that the officials will go over there and look at it. And look, I understand that there are times because it's the playoffs where guys do get caught with a flying elbow and a flagrant foul is, is, uh, is appropriate, but there are other times that so there are guys just laying there, Trying to go the team into a, into, into, you know, it go the officials into reviewing it so they could try to get a flavor. In. And then, you know, even Steve Kerr, again, who I admire and everything with the breaking of the code because he's politicking for a suspension. And then the, I can't really believe in the heart of hearts that Taylor Jenkins and the Grizzlies <laughs> honestly believe that Jordan Poole purposely hurt John ja Moran. I mean, these are the guys who run the Grizzlies. They're really, really smart guys. Taylor Jenkins is a really, really smart guy. Does he honestly believe that? No, he's got to go out there and politic for a suspension. And I mean, I feel terrible that Jaw is hurt. I hope that when this podcast comes out, it turns out that job ja was able to play, but it's, too much of this nonsense flopping and politicking. Let's just play basketball. Thank you for listening to the hoop collective podcast. Thank you, Bobby and Nick. Chris
1: Paul. (laughs) Go right at Chris Paul B.
2: Chris Paul. Chris Paul got turned. He got, he got a dose of his own medicine.
1: Exactly. That's Um, exactly what happened. And,
2: and I have to say that regardless of the call, If you've got three fouls at the end of the first half, of course, Luca exaggerated contact. What are you doing chasing a rebound with a second left? If you've got four fouls at the beginning of the third quarter, what are you doing trying to bait Brunson to running in over you? That's just for one of the smartest guys I've ever seen. It was not smart. So he got, regardless of where you are, he got what he deserved on that. And I just wish there would be just, let's just play basketball enough with that. You, You know, in the Celtics, well, know, the strategy of flopping for Giannis. The Celtics are good enough to play Giannis straight up. They're the one of the greatest defensive teams I've ever, I've ever seen. Play Giannis straight up. It worked. Stop falling down every time he comes in the lane. All right. Sorry for my rant. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Nick. I got to go to the arena. Thanks, listen, hoop collective. We'll talk to you later this week.
1: How would you love a chance to save some money on car insurance? GEICO can help. Switch today and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com to get a rate quote and get started seeing how much you could save. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
2: A laundry? Ooh, a book club.
0: Computer solitaire, huh?
2: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.